All right, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a message, and then at the end of the message, I'm gonna give you, we're going to do a video. Uh, well, not a video. I don't know. A slideshow, right? Yeah. So uh, this is going to be good. But I want to talk to you today about vision. Everybody say vision. I know a preacher one time who made his congregation repeat everything he said. Because he said, if, if, if you say it yourself, you, you're more apt to believe it than when somebody else says it. Okay? I won't make you say everything, but I want to read Habakkuk 2, 1 through 4. Everybody probably really, is, this is a fam- very familiar verses in the Bible, but this is something God is doing right now. I'd just love to be able to talk about what God's doing versus coming up with, you know, your own little messages. It's better to talk about what, what the Holy Spirit is currently doing, and this is what the Holy Spirit is currently doing. Um, in our church, I believe he's just doing it in the, in the body of Christ in America, if, if we'd wake up and, and, you know, pay attention to what he's doing. It, Habakkuk says, I will stand on my guard post and station myself on the rampart, and I will keep watch to see what he will speak to me. I will keep, everybody say, watch to see, to see what he will speak. So, you know, you're watching to see what God, you know, it sort of doesn't go together, really. <laughs> really, you're watching to, to hear something. And how I may up reply when I'm reproved. Then the Lord answered me and said, Record the vision and inscribe it on tablets that the one who reads it may run. For the vision is yet for the appointed time. It hastens towards the goal and it will not fail. Though it tarries, wait for it. For it will certainly come. It will not delay. Again, there's some contradiction, it seems, in this scripture. Wait on it. It's not going to delay, you know, but... You've got to understand it's not really contradiction. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul was not right within, within, within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. So there's a lot in that. So what you see all the way through the Bible, if you really look at the Bible as a whole and look at starting all the way back to like Abraham even, whenever God would, uh, and whenever somebody would have these encounters with the Lord, I'm talking real encounters with God, something would happen in their life, something would change in their life. These people would suddenly become people of vision. They'd begin to, to, to get these concepts, ideals, and thoughts, and visions from the Lord, and these things would change that person's life, and it would affect the world around them. And you can see that all the way to the very end of the Bible, the, you know, the whole book of Revelation is a book of vision. So you see, that's really the way God works. And you can really tell a person, tell that, a, you know, when a person who's really had a, a, a experienced a move of God, an encounter of God in, life, in their life, there's things that begin to happen in their life. Okay? And I love that. I just love to see a person who can be, have a mighty encounter by the Lord and, and become like suddenly one of the best parents on the planet where they weren't such a good parent before. I have just, I, I've literally seen that experience. And uh, people, well, maybe I've experienced it. I'm not saying I'm the best parent, but I've, I've seen people, I've seen people become good employees that weren't, were not good employees. I've seen people, life change because they had an encounter with the Lord and suddenly they begin to hear things and see things. That's why I'm such a big proponent of the Holy Spirit River. Okay? Because I have seen people's lives radically changed by encountering the Lord in the river of the Spirit. I've seen, I have seen men who were not good daddies become great daddies. Now, you can't beat that. You cannot beat that. There is no way you can beat that. And anybody here who wants to 
to disdain the move of the Spirit, disdain the river. In my mind, it's like, forget it. You might as well not even talk to me. I've already seen the proof. Wisdom is justified by her children. Isn't that right? So you have Peter on a rooftop, okay? Peter, Peter, the apostle Peter on the rooftop, and, the, and, the, and because of a vision from God, because he had this encounter with God, we, the Gentile people, heard the gospel for the first time. And suddenly we were invited in to be part of the family of God. Paul, walking down a road with some friends, headed to, headed to do something bad, had an encounter with God, and his life changed direction, and he wrote a bunch of stuff that we now call the Epistles of Paul. Uh, some, one of the greatest revelations. So, so I believe right now God is released. I believe there's vision in the atmosphere, okay? In the spiritual atmosphere, there's vision. It's available. I can feel it. I can feel it all around me. I feel it around people. And, and God is, is, is trying to get our attention. He's trying to say to us, there's information that God has for you to pull into your life. And it's available right now like never before. Now, the first thing, uh, the first question, uh, still in Paul's method in the book of Romans, you know, he used a question-answer kind of a uh, little thing in the book of Romans. I'm not going to quite do it as much as he did. But the first question you may have about vision is, how do I receive vision? Now, that's a legitimate question. How do you receive vision? And Habakkuk told us right here. In other words, Habakkuk says, I'm going to keep watch to see what he says. In other words, there is a, is a consciousness that we have to be, a consciousness of this. We have to be aware. Of, and this is really the thing I'm trying to get you to see one of the things this morning is there needs to be a consciousness in our, on our part that a vision is available from the Lord. Information is available from the Lord right now. And we, have to, and we will make, have to make conscious decisions and choices like Moses, similar to what Moses did when he saw the burning bush. He made a decision that I'm going to turn aside and look at this deal. I'm going to pay attention to this thing. I'm going to give my focus to it. Okay, and so what God is saying right now, if you will give attention, okay, I'm going to speak to you. I'm going to reveal something to you. I'm going to release something to you if you will give attention to it. Amen? So that's the, that's the very first, first thing I want you to get this morning. It's going to take a decision on our part. It's going to take a choice on our part to turn aside. To, 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 okay, Lord, you're releasing vision. You're releasing information. What, is it, what's, what are you releasing for me now, for me personally? for my family, for my job, for my situation. And I believe if you'll do that, God, just like he said here, and then the Lord answered me, because God, God is in the answering mode. Now, I want to read Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4, uh, just to kind of throw a little, another twist on it, just so you won't get in your mind something about vision that you should not get in your mind, okay? Because when we talk about vision, you can get really led off the wrong path if you're not careful. This is one of the greatest visions in the Old Testament, really, uh, that a person had. Uh, and, of course, you all know the book of Nehemiah is about Nehemiah, a man who was the uh, cupbearer. In other words, this man uh, worked for an ungodly king and a Persian king. And whenever this guy would, you know, back in those days, everybody wanted to kill the king. Uh, and they would sometimes slip poison to him. So this, what Nehemiah did, he would taste his, his drink and his food before the king ate it, just in case if it was poison, he would die and the king wouldn't. That was pretty... But actually, that was a very high-ranking job. He was like a cabinet member. Nehemiah had a very high position. That was a very... You had to be a very trusted person, a very close ally of the king, somebody the king would trust his life with. So here's this great, tremendous Jewish man, 
Uh, and it says that now it happened in the month of Cheslev, in the 20th year while I was in Susa, the capital, that Hanani, one of my brothers, and some men from Judah came, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and had survived the captivity and about Jerusalem. <clears throat> they said to me, The remnant there in the province who survived the captivity are in great distress and reproach. And the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. So here's a man receiving a vision from God. Okay? Here's a man that's receiving information from the Lord. He didn't, uh, like Peter, he didn't sit on a rooftop and see something into the spirit realm. Some people came to him and gave him some information and it impacted him. He felt burdened about it. Okay? So the way God really... It's not always just seeing something like we're going to see into the spiritual realm. Now, I'm, if you know me, y'all know this about me. I love seeing in the spiritual realm. Okay? I mean, that's, that's one of the big things in my life because I believe that's something God has for all of us. Okay, but that is not, that is a way that God releases vision to people. Somebody needs to come in here that I can spit on. Okay, need Art Tebow here. He said he wouldn't sit on the front seat of this church because I spit. <laughs> I said, you can do that now. I'm, a, I'm not spitting much these days. But I will tell you this. God releases vision in different ways. Okay, and so I don't want you to be deceived this morning about how this thing... It can come as a concern. It can come as a thought. It, it, come, as, it come, come in many different ways. Okay, so I want you to get... How do you receive vision? As you, you give attention to it, and you've got to let it come as it will. Okay, however God wants to release it to you, it may just come as a thought in your mind one day. Now, here's, here's the difference between a dream and a vision. See, I'm a big dreamer. Anybody here a big dreamer? I dream all the time about things. I'm not, I'm not talking about dreaming in, on, in the night. I'm talking about, I'm thinking about stuff. Man, wouldn't that be great if, it, wouldn't that be great if, if we could do this? It wouldn't that be great if my kids acted this way? Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm sort of a dreamer like that, but the difference, and that's a good thing, okay? The difference between a dreamer and a visionary person, a dreamer is what could be. A visionary is what should be. A vision, there's a conviction that gets on you about it, Okay? It's not just what could. Well, that could be. That would be great if that would happen. No, a, a, a visionary person says, says, not only would that be good, that must happen. Some, I've got to do something about this. There's something. That's what was happening with Nehemiah. Nehemiah felt something like that shouldn't be, that cannot be. Okay, and he and God was dealing with him, and he spent time with God, praying and fasting. And I, we don't have time this morning to go through the rest of the book. But it's a pretty powerful book on a man who, who, came, who had a vision from God and who built a wall, I think in, in three months, that by today's standard is still an engineering miracle, what he did. By today's standards of engineering, this wall that he rebuilt was tremendous. So, you know, I'm, I'm big in, uh, to, in, into uh, a vision. So a vision has a starting point. It can start as a concern, as it can start as a thought, it can... And can, can can start as an idea, just something that comes into your mind. That's a starting point. But it can't just be that. It can't just be what could be. It has to, to come into what should be. If you remember Paul, the apostle, in Acts 13, 
they were at, the, at Antioch, and it says they were the, the prophets and the teachers were all praying and ministering to the Lord, fasting, doing all this stuff. And the Holy Spirit began to speak and said, set Barnabas and Paul aside. Okay? And they had this big, big deal where they sent them out to be missionaries. I mean, it was a big Holy Ghost day. It was a big Holy Ghost rally. I mean, all this great stuff happened. So they go out and do missions work. This is what the Bible, or what historians call the first missionary journey of Paul, which really he took the gospel all over Asia and all different places. Well, four or five years later, I mean, this took years to do this, by the way. You read all this stuff in Acts, like from Acts 13 to about 15, that was years. It wasn't, oh, we're going to go out and we're going to go take a, a short-term trip and, you know, and then the Lord speaks again. No, that wasn't the way it was. A few years later, after they had finished that first trip and they were back in Antioch for a while, guess what? One day Paul says, hey, let's go back and visit these people. Guess what that was? The, be- the beginning of the second missionary journey. It just came as a thought. And what today is a journey that impacted the world, it came just as a thought. It wasn't no big Holy Ghost, oh, God, God speaking to set apart. No, it was a man who heard a thought from God. He heard God's thought that said, Paul, y'all need to go back and check on these people. Y'all need to go back and encourage these people. And Paul just said, hey, let's do that to Barnabas. Okay, let's go do it. And then a lot of people don't know this. That's where Timothy came into the picture. Uh, people in the pastoral class know that. That's when he found he went back to that church that, that Timothy got saved in five years previously. It is awesome. So, so that's how. Uh, so a vision can begin as a as a concern or burden or ideal. That's how it can begin. Just a simple, simple thing from God. Okay. So what I'm trying to tell you is God is in, right now in the spiritual realm. There's concerns from God. There's ideals from God. There's thoughts from God that He is wanting people to grab hold of. Okay? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying to you? When I say we're in a time of vision, I'm not just a time of seeing something into the spiritual realm. I'm talking about picking up on some of God's thoughts about situations, circumstances. It can be about anything. It can be about your life. It can be about, be about your kid's life. It can be about your, your income or your profession. Whatever. Whatever it is, there's a thought from God. There's an ideal from God. There's a concern from God. There's a burden from God. And He's looking for people who will do like Habakkuk. I'm going to sit aside. I'm going to watch and see what He says to me. It's available to you and I this morning. Are y'all good? Yeah. All, right. How, all right. Here's the next question. How will I know if this concern, burden, or thought is from God? That's a good question, right? Because lots of people have concerns, burdens, and thoughts. Some people have 90 a day. Some people, like, you don't want to talk to them because they got another ideal that they want you to fulfill for them. Like, uh, don't talk to me about that. If you, want to, you think that's from God, go do it yourself. <laughs> then you can pray. I don't need no more. Your, I got enough of my own that I can't do. But Habakkuk also told us this is how you know. This is, not, this is what you're not going to love. This is how you know. Habakkuk 2, 3. Put that back up there, Brian, verse 3. Because I don't like this. Nobody likes this. But this is the... For the vision is yet for the appointed time. Time will tell you. Time will tell you if the vision, if the concern, if the thought is from God. That's the chief way. It hastens towards its goal, and it will not fail. In other words, this, this, this thought from God is going towards your goal, and it's not going to fail, and it's going to tarry. You've got to wait for it. 
it will, it will certainly come. It will not delay. In other words, when the time comes, it's not going to delay. When the time, so time allows us to, to, to distinguish between good ideals, good concerns, good burdens, and God's ideals, God's concerns, and God's burdens. That's the truth. Okay? And uh, if it's going to succeed, for your vision to succeed, it needs a time for it, for it to really grow and develop inside of you. Okay? And mature in you. Because if you don't give it that time, it's like having a baby premature. You have a baby at five months. More, I don't think a baby can live at five months. I don't think, can they? No. It has to have time to gestate, right? Ain't that the word? To gestate. A vision has to gestate in you. Plus, you have to get ready. God has to do something in your life. Okay, you know, you're going to have your first baby. It, you know, everybody needs to do some things in the house to get ready for this baby. In other words, you can't just throw the baby up on the bed. You've got to have a bed for the baby, right? You've got to have special ways to feed the baby. You've got to have a place to take, you know, to care for the baby. So in other words, it, the, the vision has to gestate and grow inside of you. You've got to do something. You, there's things that God wants to grow you into. So, so t- that's what time does. And I'll tell you this about vision. If you have a true vision from God, if you don't give it this, because your vision is going to be challenged severely. I mean severely. That all hell is going to come against your vision. And rightfully so. Because if it's a true vision from God, hell is afraid of your vision. I mean, it's definitely afraid of your vision. Because as I said in, in the Bible, all these people who got vision, not only would their lives change, their world was changed. Okay? And people who are carrying a vision from God can change the world. It's not people who are just sitting around in the status quo. We can't be status quo people. That's just not biblical. We've got to be people who carry great vision from God. Okay. I'm gonna, in a little bit, I'm going to share about a vision. And I'm not a good example because I'm sort of on the slow side when it comes to that stuff. It took me literally 10 years from the time God spoke the vision to me to the time it started becoming real to me. 10 years. Oh, my gosh. All right. Several years ago, I'm, I'm good on time. Several years ago, uh, a man, a very prophetic, very spiritual man, gave me a book. Said, "Byron, I think the Lord wants you to read this book." And the name of the book was "Visioneering" by Andy Stanley. You know who Andy Stanley is? Andy Stanley is Charles Stanley's son. Well, I noticed it was Andy Stanley. I thought when the guy, "Oh, thank you for the book. Lord bless you." And the minute he walked out, I tossed it in my book. I ain't Andy Stanley. Who's gonna? He's just going on his daddy's coattails, you know. Uh, so I didn't read the book for, for a season, for a period. And then one day the Lord convinced me, you need to read that book. I read that book, and I really highly recommend that book to anybody. Uh, it's the best book I've ever read on vision. He calls it visioneering, like engineering, how to engineer a vision. It's pretty much an, it's a great book. I, it's, it's an older book. But this is something Andy said. We actually have done this book. And actually what I'm sharing with you came from our class, CSM. I thought I was trying to help everybody else with their vision. Actually, God would have been trying to help me with this for years. God's been trying to tell me this for at least eight years, uh, ten years. He's been trying to get through to my mind. Look, I've been trying to talk to you for ten years about this, and you are not letting. You've read books, you've taught classes on this, but you've never heard it yourself until recently. But this is something that Andy says in the book. This is a direct quote from Andy Stanley. Everybody ends up somewhere in life. We are all on a journey. Some of us end up somewhere on purpose. Those are the ones with vision. Hey, somebody in this room is a physician. You know why they're a physician? Because they had a vision to be one and they went to school to be one. 
that's somebody who ended up somewhere on purpose. You know, somebody in this room is a, a, is a good mom. I mean, a real good mom. You know why they're a good mom? Because they had a vision to be a good mom. They thought about what it takes to be a good mom. They read books and they talked to other mamas, and when they started having a family, they were a good mom. That's what it takes, man. They wound up there on purpose. Okay? Um, whether you are aware or not, you have visions for life, for your life. In fact, you have multiple visions. That is, you have a mental picture of what you want the various arenas of your life to look like down the road, right? Everybody does. I believe we're all visionaries. Some just act on what they see, and others just dream about it. Now, God wants to separate the dreamers from the visionaries right now. I'm telling you, He does. He wants to separate the dreamers from... And I'm going to tell you, all of you can have vision. Every one of you in this room, you should have vision. You must have vision. Okay, vision gives significance to the otherwise meaningless details of our lives. Much, do y'all have, does anybody have meaningless details? Does it, I mean, I get so bored. If I had to do something three times, I'm bored. I, I mean, I have a terrible case thing about boredom because and, and, they're meaningless details. Okay, much of what we do does not seem to matter much apart from a larger context or purpose. I'm going to tell you something. When I was in school to be an engineer, sitting in a psychology class meant zero to me, except for I needed that psychology class to get my degree to be an engineer. It gave meaning to that. Otherwise, who cares about psychology? I'm not, I mean, I need to be over here studying how electrical circuits work. Why am I ever going to use psychology? I'm an engineer. So engineers need to do, they working with wires and stuff like that. You know, they're not working. But it does give meaning. That's a good example out of my life of, of part of a vision I had. Much of what, uh, okay. The routines of life viewed through the lens of vision enables you to see everything differently. When you have vision from God, your life looks different. What you do day in and day out looks different. I'm telling you, it does. That's why people can go through hardship over a vision because they see something. And what they see keeps them going and keeps them going. The, all right, now these are some things that Stanley, I love these. Vision weaves these four things into your daily life. And I'm going to tell you this. This is what God wants to weave into our lives right now. When we talk about getting a vision, if you actually have vision, you will begin to have these things. Number one, passion. Does any vision... Vision evokes passion. Vision evokes emotion because once you begin to have a vision, you can actually experience, this is true, whatever you have vision for, you can actually experience before you actually see the vision fulfilled. You can actually live it at that moment. And I'm going to tell you something, that creates a lot of passion in your heart. This vision that God gave me, I have lived it over and over. It drives me for the Father's house. I have lived in that Father's house. I have sat in that Father's house. I have felt what God was going to do there. And it, ain't, it doesn't exist in the natural right now. Okay? Because this vision has given me this passion for it. Okay? I, I dreamed and I had a vision to be an engineer. And I was sitting in school struggling. But I kept thinking about, man, one day, this is the way it's going to be for me. I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be doing all these things. I'm going to be making all this money. You know, it's going to be a good day. Instead of going to work to study books, I'm going to go to work. And I'm going to do all this cool stuff I'm, I'm just reading about. Okay? So one thing you'll have in your life is passion. Everybody needs passion. Number two, motivation. Anybody need any motivation to get up every day? Why do I get up every day and do what I'm doing? Vision provides motivation. 
In other words, you're not going to live a bored life if you're, if you're vision. Vision-driven people are motivated people. And I'm telling you, that vision will definitely highly motivate you. Okay? I don't care what your vision is. It will motivate you. If you have a vision to have, have a great family, you will get off your carcass and do something about having a great family. Because you're motivated. You see it. And when your kids are not doing right, you're going to speak into their life. You're motivated to do it. Instead of saying, oh, well, the boys will be boys. You know, and that's just the way girls are. You won't do that. Because you're motivated because you see something for them. You have a vision for them. Are you all with me on this? Also, it gives you direction for your life. Okay? You have a direction. It's easy. Everything else, the vision of where God has called you to go, that's the main thing. Anything else that comes your way, you have to make a decision. Does this help the vision or does this distract from the vision? And it can be a great thing, but you can say, uh, you know, that's going to pull me away from what God, this vision. I can't do this. Somebody else needs to do that. That's a great thing. I have a friend of mine. He, he's got this vision. It's pretty powerful. And he was telling me, I was talking to him about some things that God was doing. And he said, I'm going to tell you the truth, Byron. I'm not going to do that. I said, what? Why wouldn't you do that? That's what God's doing. No, that's what God's doing in your life. But I'll tell you, this is what God's doing in my life. This is what I'm doing. I thought, there's a man of vision. That man has a roadmap that God's given him. Now, he evaluates things. He looks at things. Is this going to help me get where God has taken me? So vision gives you direction in your life. That's why you don't need division. Okay? Everything else has to be approached with caution in your life. Everything else. I don't care what it is. It can be God's stuff. Maybe just not God's stuff for you. Amen? All right, that's number three, direction. Are we all right? Yeah. Purpose. Vision translates to purpose. purpose. Purpose gives you momentum to overcome the barriers that stand in the way of your vision because they are going to be barriers. In other words, you're purpose-driven you're purpose driven. You're because you have vision. And, you know, when you're a man on a purpose, a woman on a purpose, there's obstacles. Well, how am I going to overcome this obstacle? I have just failed the test. What am I going to do? Because I've got to pass the next test if I'm going to be an engineer. I have to have this class. This is what I've got to do. I've got to come up with another strategy on studying although I hate this class and I'm miserable in this class but if I'm going to succeed my vision I've got to come up with a different strategy to have to overcome this barrier and a person with vision can fit find, they find ways they will find a way if you study the book of Nehemiah he had setback after setback after setback you CSM, CSM class people remember this setback after setback after setback but he always found a way after every discouragement, after every attack from the enemy, he would regroup, refocus. He even shut it all down at one time. We're stopping everything. Because he realized, I can't keep going. I've got to come up with another plan. He stopped it so he could, could, could fulfill his vision. And he did it. That's one of the reasons I love that book. It was a man who, who succeeded against absolutely impossible odds. And it all started. He felt this burden for, for the people of God. Okay, everybody, I want y'all to say this after me. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit you, are you are the most important person on the earth. And He really is. <laughs> okay? I, I tell myself that every day. You know why I tell myself that every day? Because every day I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, to come into my mind. Because I realize a day without the Holy Spirit is not a day that I need to have. Okay? Now, I'm really all sold out to the Holy Spirit, always, okay? 
This is what the Apostle Paul says. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 12, 1. Everybody say this. I will go on to visions and revelations from the Lord. This, what I'm telling you this morning, you have to be intentional about. Paul was intentional. He wasn't just talking about getting caught up into heaven that day. He was talking about like the day he made a conscious decision to go visit people, and, they, and the Bible did not tell us there was anything spiritual happened other than God. He just picked up on God, a thought from God. Y'all need to go visit those people. We're going to visit them. That was a major deal. It wasn't just like getting in the car and driving down the road. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with this? So you get what you settle for. And I won't tell you that as a Christian. You will get what you settle for. Okay, if you settle for less, you will get less. And that is really not a good way to... You can't settle for less. I heard a guy speaking recently. This is what he said. He said, well, to tell you the truth, I don't really need visions and revelations. I've got the Bible. I'm thinking, you won't get visions and revelations then. All you're going to get is the Bible. But that is not what the Apostle Paul said. He says, I'm going to go on to visions and revelations. So if you really got the Bible, you're going to have to settle that issue. It can be visions and revelations of seeing into the spirit realm, getting called up into the third heaven, going into the heavenly realm, seeing angels, seeing the Lord himself, seeing the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is visible. He does make himself visible, by the way, right? Everybody knows that. I've told you all that, right? You all understand that. The Holy Spirit can make himself visible. He did it. He came on Jesus like a dove. Okay? So that was just one place. Another place in the Bible where he made himself visible. So we can, we can see... Or it can be concerns, thoughts, and burdens from the Lord. However God wants to bring it, you just dial into what God's doing. I'm going on to this. You have to make this decision. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Don't just settle for less is what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Quit living a crummy Christian life. A, a live, living out here. God is saying this to people. The sky is your ceiling. The sky is your ceiling. We're living in a different age right now where God is trying to fill us with something, get us out of our little thinking, our little worlds, our little Christianity, our little way we do things. He's saying, listen, there's a, there's a world out there. There's a world of information out there. There's a world of heaven out there that you need to tap into and release back into this natural world. And it's going to be people who have made a decision in their heart to have vision from God, to have dreams from God, to have revelation from God. And our lives get changed by it. I wish I would have been... Honestly, I feel like the, the young generation today is way... is such a way advantage. Because we have been taught... My generation has been taught so much sorry stuff and so many things that have held us back. Listen to this. Or do you, not, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? That's what the Bible says. You don't, you don't own yourself, for you have been bought with a price... Therefore, glorify God in your body. And a real aspect of glorifying God in your body is dis discovering His visions, His thoughts, His concerns for your life. Not just what you want to do with your life. It's discovering what He has for your life. And it's not just some religious, crummy life. It's not just like, well, God just wants me to go to church. I mean, that is the sorriest vision you could have. That's just a second. That is an outcome. Being part of the church is an outcome. It is not the primary vision. Okay? And everybody may have visions and dreams in different areas of their life. Uh, mine is probably not going to be in business. Although I'm liking that. 
Mine's probably going to be more in the spiritual world. Mine's probably going to be more like angelic visitations, and that's what God has put hunger in my heart for. But I'll tell you this. I appreciate a man who dreams about business deals from God. I appreciate a, a person who works in the medical industry and dreams about seeing God in that place and how to get God. That, that, that is just as legitimate as somebody sitting in the church having a vision of an angel walking into the room. Do you, are you understanding what I'm saying to you? And if, if you have a real visitation from God, you're going to have real dreams and visions, but they not, may not always look Christian. They may look, that looks like business to me. Well, God's a businessman, right? God's a creative man. It may be in the arts. Come on, let's let people develop, you know, uh, anointed singing and all that, not just for the Sunday morning church service. Maybe they want to go out and sing the lost people and not even sing Christian songs, but slide the Lord in there on those songs. Come on, we've got to see that. Those are kind of dreams that are in God's heart. Because some of those people will never darken the door of the church. But they may darken the door of a concert with a true believer there releasing the presence of God in there, and they don't even know what's happening to them. I'm telling you. This is how God wants the church to think today. See, my generation, they wouldn't let you think that way. Everything had to be about, you know, it was more of a religious spirit, really. I mean, honestly. We're, we're, we were overcome. All right, Ephesians 2.10. Uh, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we could walk in them. God has already decided what you could be and should be, okay, and what we could do and should do. He's already decided that. So the difference between a dreamer and pursuing vision is thinking about what could be and should be and pursuing what could be and should be. A dreamer just thinks about it. He doesn't pursue it. He doesn't go after it. A visionary goes for it. A visionary goes for it. Now, I will tell you this. Vision will cost you. As I, it will cost you big. It will wear you out. Ken Helser was speaking to, the, to the, our leaders recently, and he slapped, said three things. I can't remember what he said, but one thing he stuck out to me. He said, we need people who will be steadfast about their vision. Focus and keep going after it. And then he said, you know what? This vision, he was talking about the place for the heart, the, his ministry up there. He said, this thing has killed me and it's still killing me. That's what he said. It's killed me and still... It will, this, this vision thing will wear you out. It will take the toll on you. Don't expect it to be easier. It's not a real vision from God. It's going to challenge you. It's going to beat you up. You're going to stay awake at night at times thinking about it. It's going to be a good waking sometimes, and it's going to be a bad waking sometimes. But if you're going to be a person of vision, you are going to be challenged beyond anything you could ever dream of. It's going to hurt you. It's going to disappoint you. You're going to cry over it. You're going to hate it at times. You're going to wish you never had the vision. I'm just being real with you. Okay, I don't want to just try to get you all excited about something then you go out there and wind up getting your tail whipped over something. Well, he didn't tell me about this part. Yes, it is going to be that. Think about the Apostle Paul. The man was beaten. He was actually killed one time. They had to raise him from the dead. Okay, he was thrown in. He was shipwrecked. He was beaten. He was all for a vision. And in the end of his life, he said, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. That's what he told King Agrippa. When they would say, why are you doing all this, man? Because God revealed something to me and I took it and I have lived my life for that thing. Okay? Raising children will wear you out. I'm telling you it will. It, but it's a good vision. 
to have a great family. It's a good vision to see your children grow up and become productive citizens and people who want to follow the Lord and people that you can have a relationship as grown people. That's a good vision, man. That's a great vision. But it is a challenging vision. Are you all hearing what I'm saying to you this morning? In 1997, went to Toronto, pastor's conference, received ministry. Guy says, I have a vision over you, me and Becky. I saw this big angel. There's a bunch of people. And they called you out of the crowd. And they said, we have an assignment for you. And y'all were like incredulous, like, us? You want to give us this assignment? Why are you giving us this assignment? We, we don't want this assignment. We can't do this assignment. We didn't know we were saying that. We were just surprised that God would call us out at the time. We thought it was cool that God would call us. We found out, no, that's what we were really saying. We don't want this, God, because we know this is going to kick our rear ends into the ground. We know it's going to stomp us. Okay? And then in 2001, God spoke to me one day and said this, gave me this, this, this vision. He started talking to me about it. I didn't connect it. I was too stupid. Okay? I wasn't connecting the dots that God was trying to talk to me. And he started talking to me about a place where God's glory, His visible, manifest, presence glory could rest in the earth. And that things that He wanted to do there, like He wanted to equip people. And it wouldn't be a place where family could be. It could be a place of revival and celebration. I thought, well, that'd be a great place. I mean, literally, I said, I hope somebody does that. So I, said, I really hope somebody does that. That would be so great, God. And I can't wait to go there. <laughs> literally, I told him that that day. I have it wrote down. I have it wrote down because I wrote it all down when he was speaking to me. Then, in 2007, we decided, not thinking about anything, that we need to find out what God was saying to us in 1997, 10 years before, because we believed it was the Lord, but we didn't believe it was what... There was a lot of other factors that came into being. But we wound up going back to Toronto, and God did some incredible thing in my life. God attacked me. He went after my mind. I walk in the door to place, and there's this thing that slams me into my head. And I spent a week weeping inside of my mind. My mind was being washed of lies and trash and garbage that had been poured in it all my life. And in one week time, got rid of, God got rid of at least 70% of it. I'm serious. It took, there's some more in there, I think, but it's pretty hidden right now. But he washed it and washed it and washed it. And in the middle of it, he said, there's a place called the Father's house that I want in the earth, and I want you to do it. And I said, I don't want to do it. I don't have the money to do it. That's what I told him. No, you've got to do it. That's your, that's, that's your assignment. So, I mean, make a long story short, I thought, well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask Becky about this because she's what you call no-nonsense. <laughs> she cuts everything to the chase. If it's God, it's God. If it ain't God, it ain't God. And she's, there's no mercy on her. So I'm waiting till all it was over with. We was out of that nice environment, sitting in the airport Hey, Becky, this is what the Lord spoke to me. What do you think? That's the Lord. Oh, God. <laughs> I'm trapped now. She's saying it's the Lord. She thinks it's the Lord. Hey, I mean, even through some other things, to make it hard, it's the Lord. The Lord's going to do it. So, anyways, that's sort of... So we started on this journey 
Okay, and there's lots more details. Y'all have, everybody have a copy of this. Okay, y'all don't have a copy of this. Huh? You do. This is what you call the vision for a father's house ministry. We wrote, the, I, me and Janet wrote this because I have a hard time communicating with words on paper. Right after we came back, just grab it while it's fresh, which I, I hated doing. I, after I did, I thought, why did I do that? You know, after you do something, write it out, everybody expects you. And everybody's sort of coming to me like, we have vision for this. We, what about this? What about I'm thinking, good Lord, they got more vision for it. I don't even want to do it now. <laughs> it was fun getting all this, but I don't want to do it, God. I had to spend money. I had to buy stuff. I just spent $30,000 on this ridiculous vision. 30000 Y'all gave the money, by the way. Thank you. That ain't all we spent. We spent a bunch of other money. What? I forgot how much money. We bought this piece of property. It costs a lot of money, man. That's what I'm saying. Vision costs you. Here's what the Lord said. Byron, you need to take everything you've done here and you need to put it all on the table. It's like a gambler. I know that's a bad picture for some of you. It's not for me because I ain't never had a problem with gambling. It's like putting all your chips up there. I put all my chips up on the table, Lord. I'm willing to lose everything for what I feel like you're saying. I'm going to keep it all up. It's all at stake. If I lose it, it's a big deal, Lord. I mean, you know, I still have you. I still have Becky, I hope. <laughs> my kids will still love me. <laughs> they may fuss at me. We need to give people who don't have this this. Or you can read it on our website. But so we had the architect come in. This vision is not about buildings. I'm going to promise you that. I can, if it's about buildings, we're not doing it. Because I'm going to tell you one of the th- problems I have. I have no desire for buildings. I have no desire for anything big. I like little. I'm happy with just being with the Lord, really. I'm happy to spend my days like this, meditating and soaking and praying in tongues and hanging out with people. And somebody, people ask me, what do you like to do? If I can do that, I'm a happy man. Because those are things I know God's told me to do, and I get a lot of pleasure out of those things. You know, but a vision has to give you some discipline, and I've had to have a lot of discipline and... So what we got here, Brian's going to put it up here on the screen. This is where we're at. Am I making sense on this? Are y'all tracking on this? This is where we're at. Uh, uh, this is the, the, the... Yeah, turn the lights back there. This is where we're at. This is this piece of property we own. This is a site plan, okay? Let me let, go back to the front, front end. You know, part of this vision... I'm going to talk about the entranceway... And, Oh, you can't do it. Okay, he's, it's, we're just looping around. We're looking. Uh, uh, I know it don't make no sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense to me. That building right there is the first building we're going to build out there. It's called an educational building. There's a the front door of it. Inside of it, some good stuff. There's a track and a football field. If you like to run, actually, there's a little track. You see that brown thing on the very end on the side? That's a walking prayer trail, running trail, all the way around the whole piece of property. Right over there is going to be a place called Benevolence Housing. Because a big part of what we want to see, we don't, I don't want to build something for us. Okay? I don't want to build a, a church building or a school building or an office building or anything. I want to build something. There's the entrance. Actually, this property, yeah, right there. You see those three things right there on the side? Those are duplexes. Okay? I'm sorry. Put that other thing up. It goes too fast. We got another thing we're going to put up. Are y'all Okay. All right, okay, here's the site plan. Up there's Shinville Road on the left. Okay? There's Shinville Road. 
Pam Troglin lives about where that big old brown building is on the right there right now. That's about where her, her uh, manufactured home is. Okay? So what we see is we have three buildings on the left, and these are just, are just blocks. Those are duplexes for, for pastors and missionaries and people who need a, a place to live. Okay? That on the right, they call it a dormitory, but I think that's more like an offices. Because what, part of what we want to do, there's other ministries that we want to be able to have a, that they can have a place. They can have offices. They can have you know, places to meet at. So that's, I believe that's what that's going to be on the right. All right, if you go on in, uh, <clears throat> right there will be what we call the worship, is the worship center. That's the, the down the road phase. Okay, that's the Holy Spirit River right there. We're, we're in, I'm into the river. We got us a river out there. Okay, that blue roof, speaking of the heavenly realm, don't y'all like heavenly realm? That will be the first building we build out there, and it will be called a educational building. In a minute, I'll take you inside of it. But that's sort of the way it looks. Got the, the track and the football field here. Uh, that right there with the, on top right is called Benevolence Housing. So we have a vision for a place for children and, peop and, and people who, who need to be taken care of because the Father wants to take care of people. He wants to take care of children. He wants to take care of old people. He really has a heart to do all this kind of stuff. So we want to have a place out there where people can go and be taken care of. They can't take care of themselves, and they need the Father to help them through people like you and me. So we're gonna, we want to have that. Uh, this, Yeah, there you go. There's the Holy Ghost River, which we're also going to baptize people there. Isn't that nice? Yeah. That's the parking lot, all that black stuff, if you didn't catch that. <laughs> all right, so you, there's the building. Um, go to scene 10. Whatever that is. Scene 10. Scene 11. That's sort of looking at the overall. The architect really had a lot to do with that whole football field stuff. He really developed that. I mean, he had a lot of vision. He had as much vision for this thing as we did. You know? Because God really spoke to him. So one thing interesting, the, the architect and the, uh, and the Nigel, the the Indian chiefs that came here, both of them said, because we took an angel out there and we prayed, both of them said, man, we, I really feel connected to this. Now, that's pretty significant when you get people that say, they really feel connected. I feel connected to what you're doing here. I, you know, in other words, what they're picking up on is, is the Father's heart that they carry with them, and they want to, like, they are identifying. All right, here's the overall picture, looking on it from down, down view. Y'all seeing that? Uh... And that's actually that piece, that's sort of a front entrance. There's old River Life Fellowship sign there. Got us a fountain out there. That's the duplexes on the left. That's something else on the right. Is that where that is? Right, where's that at? Okay, yeah. All right, let's go to the next. Keep going. Are y'all okay? Are y'all getting this? this? This right here, what you're seeing is what God spoke to me in 1997. Okay? That's what he's beginning to speak to me. This is the pictures of it now. You know, <laughs> 11 years down the road. It is awesome. Now, this is a big project, obviously. It's going to like cost a lot of money. 
Yeah, a couple thousand. A couple thousand dollars at least. I'm not going to be taking up no offering today for this building. I can promise you that. Unless you have millions you want to give. <laughs> you know what? This is something the architect said that was profound. He said, it's not likely that God's going to drop $5 million into your lap. And when he said that, I thought, oh, praise God. Here's a person who understands that we don't no longer live in the wilderness where God just drops stuff on us, that we live in the promised land where God wants to give us something and wants us to take it and develop it and expand it and for God taking His miraculous power and working through people of vision. Now, that's what it's going to take. I'm not looking for God to drop anything. He's dropped some things. He dropped part of the land in our laps. All right, here's... Are y'all good on that? Here's the first building, phase one. You go in the lobby, blah, blah. There's offices on both sides. There's children's area. There's the school area. There's a gym slash worship center. That's how we're going to begin. That's the first phase right there of the building that we designed, which is, you know, a pretty significant building, really. You know, and then once when we do the second building, you know, we will get out of the gym. So it'll take some, you know, work, but it's a good... You know, you can do gyms now that are acoustic and that can do good worship in. That's sort of a picture right there of how phase one will look. We won't do it all at one time. Okay? So, we, let me just say this, we have a vision. Everything I said to you about vision, you need to have a vision on a personal level, but we have a corporate vision as a church. And that's it. It's called the Father's House. And I don't know, I mean, I don't have any timetable on any of this. I may not even be the person who gets to finish it. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Okay, because, but I really, if you haven't read this book, there's some out there, get one and read it, or you can get on the website and look at it. Read it. That sort of shares the heart of it. So where we're at is we've had the architect do that. Now the next step is figuring out how to have an architect do construction drawings to build it and then start building it. So that right there, believe it or not, what we showed you cost $30,000 to do, which is a lot of money. You think, well, $30,000 for that? <laughs> Come on. But you had to use an architect who was highly skilled and we, you couldn't do it without him. I mean, you, I mean, me and you can't do that unless we were a skilled architect. Uh, it, you know, it took three people actually working like a, you know, they worked all week. You know, one guy was here with us, two guys were back in their office working, and then when they went back, it's, you know, it's a, lot of, a lot of effort there. So, so you, you know, it's a big vision. It's a big, but I believe God will, is going to use this church to do this. Amen? So that's where we're at. What we're going to do is we're going to get all this and put a thing out there in a foyer somewhere where you can look at it closer. I know I rushed through it. So, amen. Let's, let's stand up. I'm going to pray for you. Okay?